Good morning to all our listeners in Hillsdale and if you're listening online later on across the country. This is American View on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. It's January 27th and boy, a lot broke just yesterday. We got to talk to you about it. We're coming to you live from our studios here in Hillsdale, Michigan. Glad to be with you as always. I'm Ben Dietrich. So I want to talk, you know, Hillary Clinton's new movie came out over the Sundance Festival over the weekend. We're going to get to that. Uh, she was in the news as well for an interview she did, just very conveniently, right before the Iowa caucuses are about to happen. She did an interview with The Atlantic where she said Mark Zuckerberg was authoritarian and um, dictatorial. We're going to talk about that because it's pretty funny. Some more serious stuff, though, to start. The New York Times broke a story last night. Trump tied Ukraine aid to inquiries he sought, Bolton Book says, is the headline of that story. And, folks, if you are just hearing this for the first time, which I'm guessing a lot of you have, considering this story broke at about 9 p.m. last night, this is going to be a game changer in the impeachment game. Um, The Democrats are surely going to call it uh, a smoking gun of sorts. You're going to hear that. I I can just predict that already. And um, now we're going to see where those chips exactly fall. So what does this all mean? You all need to know this is a big story It's something you're going to want to pay attention to because this does have the potential, if not handled properly, for the Trump administration's team. Um, This could really wreck things a little bit for them. So we're going to talk about this, what this means, and we're going to work through it. Um, Before continuing on that, there is one story I want to make a mention of as well that also happened last night. We are still learning information on this one, and that is that rockets have struck and hit the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. Uh, This is the first time the rockets have ever actually penetrated the inside of the building. Um, There have been previous attacks uh, on bases. You know, obviously there was the one that happened in retaliation after they killed Baghdadi. Uh, Now we're seeing, though, that there has been an attack. Um, There were three rockets, and one of which actually hit a cafeteria inside the base, or excuse me, the embassy, and uh, this this rocket, um, apparently, it, it only injured one person. We don't know if they were American or if they were Iraqi. We also know that nobody has claimed responsibility as far as we, we know at this point in time. Um, the United States has not commented on these attacks yet. We're waiting to see what, what has happened there. But um, it's a story that we're all going to want to um, follow. So we'll see where that goes um, because, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, if they decide that Iran is responsible for this attack or if this was something which my guess is it probably was not Iran this instance, but that is purely speculation. Um, we will see where this goes. Of course, there are a lot of militia groups uh, in Iraq that are not controlled by the Iraqi um, government. The Iraqi government, the prime minister, has already condemned the attack. Um, and you got to wonder. I mean, there are a lot of people out there who would obviously like to see um, a war between Iran and the United States. This is not. This is exactly what they would want to happen. Um, President Trump has been slow to respond in this instance, um, which makes sense as they are learning more information. So we're going to leave that story there. Something to be aware of because, it, like I said, that's one of those stories that just happened last night. Um, you should know about it. So you're listening to American View, where Hillsdale meets the nation. I'm Ben Dietrich. Good morning to all of you. Um, a little bit of snow on the ground. Hopefully you're bearing through that. 
So now let's get to this big story, shall we? Um, the New York Times, right? Everybody's talking about this. There are a lot of sides to this that you need to know uh, that you probably won't get from, you know, CNN, MSNBC, shocker, <laughs> to understand the truth and, and what this really means. We're going to try to break this down for you. So first off, let's, let's get the story straight, okay? So President Trump, um, according to John Bolton, this, John Bolton has a book coming out, okay? This book is called The Room Where It Happened, A White House Memoir. And uh, it's scheduled to come out in March. March 17th is the date it's supposed to come out. Somehow, the New York Times got a hold of the manuscript. Now, the agent for the book is claiming that um, the reason that the New York Times got this manuscript is because they sent the book's transcript to the National Security Council uh, in the White House to make sure that there was no information that was classified that couldn't be published. He's blaming the White House. I would argue that's probably not what happened. I mean, it's a great, it's a very convenient excuse because we all know the White House is is full of leaks. But it, I think it's very likely that the agent himself leaked this book to the New York Times. The reporters that published this story in the New York Times, Maggie Haberman and Michael Schmidt, have been notorious for publishing these leaks. They've covered a lot of this stuff um, from the White House. More interestingly, though, is that the book, the, the agents that John Bolton sought after for this book um, are the same, is the same agent in the same company, or excuse me, the same agent as, as the one that James Comey chose. It's also the same agent that the whistleblower chose uh, when that low-level um, Trump staffer wrote that book. What was it called? Uh, Viper of Lies, I believe. Yeah, we got that right here. Yeah, so the agent that they've, they've chosen, um, you know, if you remember James Comey's book, A Higher Loyalty, that one bombed. It's considered to have a lot of factual inaccuracies. Uh, and then there was also, of course, the book um, Viper of Lies, that was cool for about a week or two. And then, yeah, it kind of just drifted off into the, you know, the, the graveyard of books that, that um, it worked well as a hit piece for the president. It did not stick. As people realize, the guy who wrote the book and that's that instance was not very important. So unfortunate, unfortunate for him. because I don't think he made as much money as he was hoping. Okay, so this, this, this article, what it basically says is that Mr. Bolton witnessed um, uh, or was told by the president and witnessed a conversation where the president mentioned the fact that um, the hold up an aide um, was in fact tied to Vice President Joe Biden and his son, um, who had worked for that that energy firm. That, and uh, basically, what they are alleging um, is that if this is true, this is the first first uh, the first excuse me. He's saying first so many times the first firsthand account that we are getting of a official in the White House that is saying, yes, I witnessed the president actually say this from all the other people with speculation. That's the big thing to say, well, I'm pretty sure this is what was happening. And John Bolton, if this is true, what the book says, then this is the first person in the administration, especially a high ranking official claiming that. The quid quo pro was real, and I know that because the president told me so. So that's why this is such a big story. Now, is it a smoking gun? We're going to talk about that here in just a second. Real quick, though, I want you guys to know what the president's response was. He has been on Twitter 
And oh boy, there's been a lot of tweets. I imagine this one kept him up late last night. He tweeted this out at about 1 a.m. last night. I capitalized letters never told John Bolton that the aid to Ukraine was tied to investigations into Democrats, including the Bidens. In fact, he never complained about this at the time of his very public termination. If John Bolton said this, it was only to sell a book. The transcripts of my calls with President Zelensky are all the proof that is needed in addition to the fact that President Zelensky and the foreign minister of Ukraine said there was no pressure and no problems. Additionally, I met with President Zelensky at the United Nations. Democrats said I never met him and released the military aid to Ukraine without any conditions or investigations and far ahead of schedule. I also allowed Ukraine to purchase Javelin anti-tank missiles. My administration has done far more than any previous administration. And he means that with regards to the assistance he has provided Ukraine. So that's where we are at right now. Now, the Democrats are going to run with this and they are going to say, first of all, what they they will probably get at this point is witnesses. They will probably get. I think at this point, it's fair to say that if this story is true, there's no way that Collins and Murkowski are going to say, yeah, we don't need to hear from John Bolton. No, that that ship might be sailing right now as we speak, which is unfortunate because the president had a very strong Saturday. Um, the impeachment opening statements for the Democrats were kind of a drag, to be honest. And there were, you know, we talked about this on Friday, of course, guys, you know, people were yawning. Schiff kind of went on. They accused the Senate of being a chamber that you know, basically put the Senate on trial. Um, they violated a lot of etiquette. They were not scoring points with any middle of the road senators there. That's for sure. Um, they, I don't, it was pretty bad to say the least. So this, this is very helpful to the Democrats. Um, President Trump's team did a good job on Saturday and there was, you know, of course it was not having primetime, you know, TV. Today is the first day in which they will have some time, you know, in the week, primetime to talk to the country. I imagine their cases are going to be much bigger, um, much longer. They only spoke for about two hours on Saturday. They did not use up all their time. We're going to see more from them today. It'll be interesting to see how they respond. My guess is they're not going to address it that much um, or they will address it very simply at the beginning and then they will go from there. Um, We will see what happens on that front. But, you know, the point here is that now that, you know, this is there, this story has been released by the New York Times saying that Bolton... Um, you know, witness this conversation. Uh, we have to ask ourselves, you know, is this credible? It's, it's all fair asking, what are the motives of John Fulton? We already mentioned that this book is coming out by agents that also published Comey's book. If you forgot, Comey, you know, Bolton got fired, or, you know, he will claim that he resigned. But it, it happened back in October. And... You know, it did not end quite well, to, to say the least. He did not get along with key officials in the administration. This should come as no surprise, though. You know, Bolton got along really well with Kelly, as as you can kind of gather. And um, he did not get along as well with Mike Pompeo. There were definitely clear differences in views. Now, we've talked to Bolton before here on American View. We've talked to Michael Anton here on American View. If you remember and recall from an interview we did with Anton back in... Um, I think it was in September, you know, he made the point that, you know, Bolton's opinions never really aligned with the president's. 
um, you know, fully. That's a very hard thing to find, a security advisor that had those opinions. Probably Flynn was the only one that really had them. And of course, he had to, was kicked out real quick. Um, not, not Trump kicking him out, of course. So, you know, Bolton clearly uh, has, you know, not the best opinion of the president at this point. And um, I'm, I'm just going to call sour on this one. I got to be honest. I mean, it's very, very fishy the way that this all happened. And come on, if you've been around the last two years, you remember what that would happen during the Kavanaugh investigation, okay? We, we've seen this, this shenanigan before. The Democrats seem to be very conveniently dropping stories at the, the most convenient times. My bet is that they knew about this. Uh, my bet is that, you know, I would not be surprised if Pelosi knew about this. I would not be surprised if Schiff knew about this part of the book, if that they had been planning this all along, you know? It would make very convenient sense why... Uh, why Pelosi decided to, 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 you know, wait to send this to the, to the Senate if she knew this leak was coming out um, from this book. Now, how much, this could be very much one of those things that has led up to be something really big and it kind of, you know, drops. The question is, is it going to be a he, a he said versus he said type of thing, you know, between the president and Bolton? And in that case, who do you, who do you trust? There's no doubt that there are motives here behind the, you know, behind um, what, Bolton is saying, this book, isn't this interesting, okay, guys? It, it suddenly goes online, Amazon, for pre-ordering today. Yeah. So you can go online and buy it, and they, they had to mention that on CNN. But the same day that, of course, this, this riveting information happens, and the agent waves his hands in the air and says, I had nothing to do with this. This was the administration's fault. They, are, you know, they got leaks coming out all the time. Oh yeah. Also, we're putting the book on Amazon today, so you should you should buy your copy and uh, pre-order it. I mean, come on, really? Do you really buy this? The motives are there. I I just struggle. You know, we cannot forget that there were. I, I you know I I have no doubt in my mind that Bolton was certainly one of the people leaking in the White House. And and what concerns me is that. I know that the way that this, it seems that the way that this White House has worked is you have a lot of people, you know, the president brought on a lot, a lot of strong personalities, some of whom wrongfully thought that they knew more than the president or they, they knew better than the president. And they would go around him and try to circumvent him or challenge other people in the administration by leaking things. And um, I, I think it's fair to put Bolton in that camp of people. So we'll see where this goes, guys. Um, we'll follow this story. I think it's too early, certainly, to call this a smoking gun. I don't think this changes the outcome of the impeachment um, entirely. I think that, you know, the Senate will still, we're still leaning very heavily, of course, towards acquitting. I think that, you know, this could raise the chances of censure. It could also, I think, before today, I think the Democrats, the Republicans had a good chance of not having any further witnesses. I think everybody was ready for this to be done with. This is going to throw a curveball for the Trump team, which is very unfortunate. They had a strong day Saturday. We're going to go ahead and play you a little bit from their day Saturday. This is the closing remarks from the White House counsel, Pat Cipollone, um, presenting his, his closing statement as part of the first day of opening remarks. Out of respect to think about, think about whether what you've heard would really suggest to anybody anything other that would be completely irresponsible abuse of power to do what they're asking you to do. 
to stop an election, to interfere in an election, and to remove the president of the United States from the ballot? Let the people decide for themselves. That's what the founders wanted. That's what we should all want. And with that, I thank you for your attention, and I look forward to seeing you on Monday. And that is the end of the White House's first day of remarks. So today, of course, they're going to be starting up those remarks again soon. We're going to see where that goes. So, um, you know, people seem to be happy, like I said, where, the, where those remarks went. Um, this will change things. This is the, the one last thing I want to see on this, guys, and then we're going to move on. You're listening to American View here, Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. We're coming to you live this morning. Talking about the breaking story last night that that John Bolton um, is really has his book has been leaked and parts of the book are claiming he had direct conversations with the president regarding a quid pro quo with the Ukraine with Ukraine and this is this is kind of upending everything in the trial up until this point. Um, I want to mention you know part of the this is why this is going to be slightly damaging as well is part of their testimony part of the argument they made and this is this is why it's so convenient the way they they leaked this. Um, the testimony was leaked or after, excuse me, the, or this book was leaked, parts of this book were leaked after they made their first day of remarks. And part of those arguments they made on that first day was the fact that they basically argued quid pro quo did not happen. Um, that there's very few, you know, there's no example of a primary source, somebody directly talking to the president says this conversation happened. You know, they said basically there was that they didn't have what Bolton just said here. And rather than saying, even if um, the aid was temporarily let up for this reason, you know, this, they, they, they could have played, spun the argument differently and said, even if that the aid was held up for the, this reason, you know, it, it, it shouldn't really matter if there was a quid pro quo or not. Um, and that, that's an argument they chose not to take because obviously a lot of people feel bad about or, or feel like that, that's not the strongest argument to take, but it might be the necessary argument to take. Because I guess my point is, kind of to what we just heard uh, the White House counsel say, you know, I still don't think it's an impeachable offense. Is it still worthy of removing somebody from office? Frankly, I think everybody from the beginning has known that, you know, it was, it was likely that this aid probably was held up for a couple of days because of Biden and, you know, they, they wanted them to look into Biden, perhaps. You know, the, the call that we heard does not indicate that. The call that they are using does not indicate that. But, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. But it also is not super concerning to me for several reasons. Like they have been clear to mention that they actually ended up getting a lot of aid in response to America. Um, yeah, a lot of weapons from America, whereas the previous administration did not help them. They got the aid in the end. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think there is... It, the, Trump is unique in Washington by pursuing political interests in his job. And, and you know, if, if we're going to hold politicians to that bar, you got you to gotta hold it fairly across the board. Um, just saying. But we'll see. We'll see where this goes. Um, you know, we will follow this. One more thing I want to mention. Um, there was a real clear investigation story this weekend before we go here. And then when we get back, of course, we could got to talk about Clinton over this weekend because that's another big story and that's a little bit more light. 
But Real Clear Investigations, guys, um, they have a story out saying that the whistleblower that started all this, according to colleagues in the Trump administration, um, this whistleblower has been talking about how to remove Trump since he was inaugurated in 2017 and that people in the White House know that uh, this guy basically had been a, a, you know, an Obama appointee to the White House, carried over, working on national security, the whistleblower, and that, that he very clearly disliked the president and was actively looking for a way to get the president out of office. Um, this is what people are alleging inside the Trump administration now. This is the same person, of course, that, you know, Sierra Mella now we know kind of is the whistleblower, the CIA analyst. We know now that um, he, of course, uh, we know his identity. And, 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 you know, this is something that has been hidden from the public for a long time. They didn't want you to know who he was. And maybe this is why. Maybe, in fact, he is just as partisan as, you know, a lot of conservatives were, were hoping was the case to show that there was bias in this. I think this is all very interesting, guys. You know, all these people, all these people apparently um, have their own interests. And this shouldn't shock you. This is, this is Washington, D.C., right? I mean, this is how this place works. So we will continue to follow this all. Um, what a day it's been. So much news coming out. This has been American View on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. When we get back, we'll be talking about Hillary Clinton and a whole bunch of other stuff. So stay with us. Welcome back to American View, guys, on America, on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. My name is Ben Dietrich. Like we just said, you're listening to American View, where Hillsdale meets the nation. We're coming to you live this morning. It's good to be with you. We just talked about the, the big story of the day, which was John Bolton, of course, um, and the New York Times. They have leaked out parts of his book, tying, you know, where he alleges that there was a quid pro quo. You can check that out um, online on Spotify, American View, WRFH, on Twitter under Ben underscore D-I-E-T-D, or on Facebook as well, American View, WRFH, um, where that, that full first half of the show is, guys. But right now we got to move on. we got more to talk about. Um, Hillary Clinton is back in the news once more for a couple things, actually. First off, very funnily enough, um, she has a documentary coming out about her. And very conveniently, this documentary is being released, you know, one week before the Iowa caucuses. What is that about? She also had a piece out in The Atlantic in which she goes after Mark Zuckerberg for what she calls is his authoritarian views. So this is pretty funny. This is uh, Hillary Clinton trying to remake herself. We've got all the beef or all the coverage on what is happening here. We're going to share it with you. So first... We want to show you this movie that's coming out. This is pretty funny, guys. So Hulu is making this documentary about her, but it apparently it comes off more like a memoir because she narrates the whole thing. Um, she asked them to make it. She approached them to make this movie. Um, she said she had a bunch of old campaign footage. She probably went through, chose the stuff she liked and the stuff she didn't like. 
And they're trying to make her look human again. <laughs> um, it's, it's so funny because what we see from all this is, of course, she still has not accepted that the reason she lost this election was because of her own actions. In her view, it was the fake news, hence the Mark Zuckerberg story, which we're going to talk about here in a second. Um, you know, in her view, it was also the way the media portrayed her. It was Bernie Sanders. She attacks him in this new movie. Um, and she's getting a little bit of pushback because of the fact that she attacks Bernie Sanders in this new uh, movie that came out. Um, and this all comes right as the Iowa caucuses are coming close. Um, just by the way, real quick, little diversion here. You should know the the new polls have come out. And in a lot of them, Sanders is now has a pretty sizable lead against Biden for first place. But this this does depend on the poll you look at. The rear clear politics average as of this morning has Sanders at 25 points, Biden at 22 points. Buttigieg at 17, Warren at 13 and a half, and Klobuchar at eight and a half. Okay, that's us of this morning, January 27th, Monday, 8.40 a.m. Now, if we look, um, the, the most recent polls that came out about that, Emerson, which was just taken in the last four days, this had Sanders with a nine-point lead above Biden. There was a uh, USA Today poll as well taking in that same point time. Now, granted, that one still gives Biden a six-point lead. And then the other polls um, show, previous to that, show Sanders with at least a lead of a couple of points. Um, so it's interesting to see. It looks like, you know, Sanders is doing quite well there, um, which makes this all the more interesting with what Hillary Clinton is doing. I can't help but thinking Hillary wants to jump back into this race. Um, she's made it clear in previous interviews we've played on here. She did an interview with Howard Stern, of course. And now we're seeing, I think, you know, she's trying to remake herself, perhaps to see as a, to make herself look like a viable option. Should they not like the candidate that makes it to the convention? So let's hear the trailer. I'm going to play you guys the trailer of this new movie, the Hillary movie. Oh boy. Um, and, uh, we'll go from there. I provoked strong opinions. Are we ready? There's so much to talk about. Okay. I didn't grow up thinking about going into politics, but much to my surprise, was elected president of the Young Republicans. I got into law school. I thought I was going to try to make a difference in people's lives. I took a class and I saw Hillary sitting there. And he was watching me. She closed her law book. I said, if you're going to keep looking at me and I'm going to keep looking back, we ought to know each other's names. I'm Hillary Rodham. Who are you? She was different than anybody I ever met. I said, I really want to marry you, but you shouldn't marry me. There is a set of expectations about a first lady. I violated them from the very beginning. She brought to the forefront women's roles in society. This is radical feminism. Me deciding to ask Hillary to become Secretary of State surprised people. Hillary's polarizing. Human rights are women's rights, and women's rights are human rights. People would run up clutching copies of that speech, reciting that line from it. 
Email. Email. Emails blew up. Bang. It played into all of the suspicions. She's so sketchy. Cold. Calculating. She could actually be crazy. There is this sense that she knows that she is an ethical, moral person, and that can blind anyone. You know, you get scarred up a little bit. It wasn't like I thought, how can I think about the most stupid thing I could possibly do and do it? I didn't want anything to do with him. Chelsea put herself between us and held both our hands. As long as she has been in public life, there have been these ups and downs. You know, be our champion, go away. You want to make a difference, you want to have an impact. Well then, you got to get in the arena. And the last scene you get there as it's, it's showing this, it's Hillary, you know, gazing off into the window, looking up like, oh, my gosh. So they're trying to remake Hillary Clinton here. Um, wow. A lot in that trailer just just now. Bill Clinton, of course, perceived in there like a couple things you want to go over. Bill Clinton um, is not perceived, of obviously, as a creepy old man. He's kind of perceived as... This husband that made a mistake, and apparently, according to the movie here, according to a reporter from the New York Post, he claims in the movie that you know he was a different person back then, and then he is today. Um, and uh, Hillary, you know, the emails were complete. This movie is going to portray those as she had no idea. You know, this was a, a, a scandal that came out of nothing. You know, um, she's certainly not to blame for that. Which is the interesting part of what this movie is trying to convey is that the opinions that have gathered and built about Hillary Clinton being, you know, um, self-interested, being cold, rude to other people, caring about herself, um, that those are not real, that, you know, the email situation, that all of this was not the result of her own making, that losing the, the election was not the re- result of her own making, that she is a victim because she fights for women. Um, is the point of this, that she is some sort of leader in feminism. Um, <laughs> anybody that's been around since the 90s can, can decide that for themselves. I mean, certainly she's had some, some moments in her career, um, but she, that she, some strong moments, you know, her speech at the United Nations, feminists love to cite. But at the same time, there are a lot, a lot of mistakes that came along the way in her career. Um, in the State Department with Benghazi, uh, with the emails, with so many parts. And, you know, I think it's so funny when they try and portray somebody like Clinton uh, one way, and, you know, they, they try to, to fix her personality. This is obviously a very, very big PR job for Hillary Clinton. But, you know, you can look at Hillary, and what you can do basically is, is just read, you know, accounts. What was the White House like? Back then, when Bill Clinton was president, how did Hillary Clinton treat other people? There's accounts from the Secret Service agents, from members of the the custodian staff, um, even outside of that. You know, go back to the campaign night. You know, where was she the night that she lost? Why was she not on stage? Um, And I'm sure they'll provide some sort of answer on this. But time and time again, we have accounts of a woman that gets very, very angry um, that throw things, throws things at people, that calls people's names, um, that can be really quite crude and uh, irrational. Um, and I, I don't even think irrational is the right word because I think it's calculated. Um, but Hillary Clinton is trying to perceive herself and make herself somebody else that I, I just think that the past 
suggests is not the case. And in my opinion, it has nothing to do with the gender that Hillary Clinton is. If anybody has been trying to use her gender um, for political gain or for political tools, it's, it's Clinton herself. It's her biggest weapon. Vote for me because I'm a woman. Um, which, which I reject, not because she's a woman, but because it's wrong to choose our candidates based on the gender or race of that person. We should judge them because of who they are and because of what their background is. So there was all this. Now, she also went after, you know, so here's classic Hillary Clinton, um, which is kind of upsetting a lot of people. This is, this is where I think you see a little bit more about the truth. You know, is the movie really portraying the true Hillary Clinton or not? The Atlantic came out with a piece, okay? Oh, my gosh. Where she calls Mark Zuckerberg authoritarian. And what exactly did she say? I got to read you some parts of this article because it's, it's pretty, it's a little bit out there, you know? Um, so she said, you know, at the time, that the way that it's kind of written, she portrays it as, oh, I really didn't know what was happening to me. She tells the, the editor-in-chief of the Atlantic, and she says that in reference to the fact that she didn't know about all the fake news that was coming out um, about her, you know, all the, the trolling that was happening. And they cite the example is the video of Hillary Clinton or Nancy Pelosi, um, her voice being slowed down to make it sound like she has speech problems, I guess. Apparently, videos like that um, are what change elections, <laughs> is what this article is suggesting. So, you know, making a meme online... Those need to be banned, any types of jokes like that, because people think they're real, and then they decide that, oh, well, this person's mentally ill. We should not elect them. I, I mean, who is this voter that, they, that they're talking about? I, it's, it's crazy. But anyway, in this article, Clinton goes on, you know, that's just the one example they provide, and it says, you know, um, she's specifically alarmed, or she's horrified, it says, and she's specifically alarmed by what she views as Mark Zuckerberg's unwillingness to battle the spread of disinformation and propaganda on his own platform. There was the time last spring when a slowed down video of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi caught fire online. The distorted speed which made Pelosi appear as though she was slurring her words seemed designed to make her look cognitively impaired. Google took it off YouTube, so I contacted Facebook, Clinton said. I said, why are you guys keeping this up? This is blatantly false. Your competitors have taken it down. And their response was... We think our users can make up their own minds. <gasps> How dare they? How dare they let users make up their own minds? Listening to Clinton, uh, this author continues in this article, I was struck by how remarkably similar her account was to something Zuckerberg had once told me. Facts, Zuckerberg had suggested, are best derived from forging many opinions, ideally from the billions of humans who use this publishing platform, so that each individual might cherry-pick what to believe. If journalism's mantra is seek truth and report it, Facebook's might be seek opinions and react to them. Uh, so here's one, one mistake right, right off the bat of this article. There's several. The, 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 this article is basically suggesting that Facebook is a, a journalist outlet, that it's, it's equivalent to the New York Times or to the Wall Street Journal, that its mantra, it's implying, should be seek truth and report it. So I guess any posts that it, derived, it decides are not true should be removed um, rather than, you know, here's one view, here's the other side. Uh, which is what, what Zuckerberg has been suggesting. Um, you know, so this article continues, and, and this is pretty funny. When I asked, let's hear this part. When I asked Clinton today whether she too sees a Trumpian quality in Zuckerberg's reasoning, 
Um, so this is what they're calling this. So apparently free speech now is Trumpian. I, I, I think Trump should take that. But that's not the way that they mean when they say Trumpian. And apparently she nods, you know. It's Trumpian, she said. It's authoritarian. Facebook did not immediately provide a response to comment. Clinton's allusions to Zuckerberg as a world leader are fitting. Um, she says here, I feel like you're negotiating with a foreign power sometimes, she said, referencing conversations she's had at the highest levels with Facebook. He's immensely powerful, she said. This is a global economy that has huge influences in ways that we're only beginning to understand. Now this article goes on to assert that Facebook is in a sense the world's first technocratic nation state, a real-time experiment in connecting humans at massive and unprecedented scales. What the heck is a technocratic nation state? Anybody? If you know, tweet at me, Ben underscore D-I-E-T-D. I want to know. I've never heard that term before. I don't think it's a thing. But apparently we're all part of this big online state now. And uh, Facebook's the government. The appointed, you know, the employees of Facebook. They're the ones that know best. That's the problem with all of this. I mean, Clinton said, uh, there's good reason to believe Clinton said, this is the big, big one here. Last quote we're going to read here. Facebook is, quote, not going to just, is not just going to reelect Trump, but intends to reelect Trump. So do you understand this, guys? What Clinton is asserting is that by Facebook, by not censoring and removing conservative things from the news, now they wouldn't call it conservative, they'd call it fake news, whatever they want. But, you know, we, we know from Google what that meant. That meant removing PragerU videos, removing pro-life content, anything that was not deemed, you know, politically truthful in the eyes of the liberal Los Angeles-based, you know, California-based Facebook staff should be removed. That is what's best for our society because they know better than people who are so innocent and are so confused they can't determine what's true and what's false. I mean, she's saying that by allowing free speech, we are electing Donald Trump. Facebook is intentionally electing Donald Trump. Can you believe this? I mean, the audacity of Hillary Clinton to suggest that Facebook is responsible for her losing the election and that that's what's that that because they are the only you know social media company in in california right now that's honoring the fact that hey you know what maybe our staff is not the best arbiter of what is hate speech and what's truthful or what is fake speech fake news and what's what's real i mean they're the only ones right now and then facebook does not have a great reputation i mean they've taken down tons of conservative stuff still and zuckerberg's trying to change that you know and, and this is not to say that they still they still have taken off stuff they've determined to come from Russia and all that fake accounts, um, but this this lie on the left that there is somehow I mean yes I, I have no doubt that there are misinformation campaigns on the on the left but do you really think that this is what sways election that people you know read something online they watch a video of Pelosi uh, moving her mouth too slow and decide oh you know what. Now that I know that you know Pelosi uh, has a speaking problem, I'm going to vote Republican. I was going to vote for Pelosi, but after watching this video, this changes my mind. This is, folks, is, is you know, I'm kind of being joking about it right now, but this is serious. Hillary Clinton is arguing for a state that censors. The technocratic state of Facebook needs to censor its people because they're not capable of making up their own mind. 
And, and you know, anything that can help Hillary Clinton win, no matter what violations it is to your First Amendment, um, is good enough for her. I, the view on the left on this is, is, is so shocking. It is so far away from the Constitution, so far away from the principles this country was founded upon. You know, they, they in some ways have just forgotten what, what that really means. When you're, when you're created equal before the law, you know, the, the recognition that if you're created equal before the law, nobody is above uh, one other. Nobody is an expert judge on what is truth, truthful or not, you know. That really has to be left up to individuals. And yes, institutions like the, the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, whatever, Washington Post newspapers are great. But we shouldn't just funnel all of our information through them because they too can make mistakes. They too are run by people. So what exactly is Mark Zuckerberg standing for? In the last couple of minutes we have today, I want to share you some of Mark Zuckerberg's speech. This is what Hillary Clinton is so upset about. Okay, here's Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, this is back um, earlier this year at Georgetown University in October when he gave a speech saying why they were not going to censor at Facebook. You hear it for yourselves. You decide, guys. Uh, now, uh, some people believe that giving more people a voice is driving division rather than bringing people together. Uh, more people across the spectrum uh, believe that achieving the political outcomes that they think matter is more important than every person having a voice and being heard. And I think that that's dangerous. So today, I want to talk about why and some of the important choices around free expression that I think that we face going forward. Throughout history, we, we've seen how being able to use your voice, uh, how people being able to use their voice helps people come together. And we've seen this in the civil rights movement. Frederick Douglass once called a free expression the great moral renovator of our society. He said, slavery cannot tolerate free speech. Civil rights leaders argued time and again that their protests were a protected form of expression. And one noted that nearly all of the cases involving the civil rights movement were decided on First Amendment grounds. We've seen this globally too, where the ability to speak freely has been central to the fight for democracy worldwide. The most repressive societies have always restricted speech the most, and when people are finally able to speak, they often use their voice to call for change. In this year alone, people have used their voices to end multiple long-running right. dictatorships. So that's Mark Zuckerberg arguing for free speech and trying to do so along lines that you know liberals might understand and appreciate, talking about, you know, this is what allows democracies to function. Another quote from this speech, we don't fact check political ads, we don't do this to help politicians, but because we think people should be able to see for themselves what politicians are saying, I don't think it's right for a private company to censor uh, the news in a democracy. So that is Mark Zuckerberg, guys. Um, so you decide. What, what do you believe? Do you think uh, we should follow after Hillary Clinton's um, pro-censorship policies. Uh, the Atlantics, you know, a lot of people on the left argue that we are better off today with all the disinformation having our companies tell us what's real and what's fake. You know, making it easier for you to understand. 
Or do you want, you know, freedom of speech? All important stuff. This has been American View. It's been a pleasure. My name is Ben Dietrich. This is Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Check us out on Facebook, Spotify, SoundCloud. Uh, Tweet at me, Ben underscore D-I-E-T-D. Have a great day. We'll see you at the end of the week.